The other day I found myself on a five hour long virtual meeting. That's how we're doing everything these days. Virtual meetings, working from our makeshift home offices, cracking jokes about not wearing pants. So I'm in this meeting and I am wearing pants. And to be honest, I don't really know what we're talking about, but we've been doing it for about five hours in earnest too, me included. And I just had this moment while I was on the call thinking to myself how weird it was that outside this virtual meeting room, our world is falling apart. Schools have been canceled, record joblessness, a crashing economy, sheltering in place, social distancing. Yet I and about nine other people are spending five hours of our lives in this virtual meeting acting like none of that is going on. In one way, it was nice to have something just to take our minds off all the coronavirus nonsense and to focus on something else, but at the same time, it was hard not to ask myself, can any of this really matter? This is Beyond Normal. Beyond Normal explores what it takes to cultivate and maintain our well-being in this time of national and global crisis. My name is Tom Godfrey. My team and I at The Big No are going to bring you conversations with thought leaders across different facets of health and well-being so we can understand and teach others what it takes to be well in today's world. As bad and difficult as all this has been, the eternal optimist in me has to believe that maybe there's actually an opportunity in all of this. An opportunity to decide who and how we want to be going forward. And that's what this podcast is all about. It's about learning how to build the skills of well-being even when it's hard perhaps especially when it's hard. Today, I want to talk about purpose. My guest today is the guy that literally wrote the book on purpose. Well, actually, he wrote 10 books on purpose, including the massive bestsellers, The Power of Purpose and Repacking Your Bags. Richard Leiter is widely considered one of the world's foremost experts on what it means to live a purpose-driven life and what it takes to do so. His PBS special, The Power of Purpose, has been viewed by millions of people since it first aired. I was lucky enough to be in the studio audience that night. It was my first introduction to him almost five years ago, and I've been following him ever since. I'm very happy to introduce him to our audience right now. Richard Leiter, thanks for joining me today. Tom, what an honor. Thank you so much for inviting me. Well, happy to do it, Richard. You know, Richard, that story I shared at the beginning, I imagine a lot of people are finding themselves asking similar questions, questions about what really matters in life and whether what they've been doing up to now is what they should be doing going forward. I've heard you call these purpose moments. So what is a purpose moment? And is the world collectively having one right now? Well, I mean, uh, often it's the crucibles in life, the big triggering events that cause us to go higher and deeper, higher what's going on here, like with this pandemic, what's really going on and deeper, how does it affect me and what are the behaviors or choices I have in this? When we go deeper, we start to look at what really matters. The science of purpose is crystal clear across the board and that is humankind needs two things to survive and to thrive one is to belong and the second is to matter belonging means that we're part of a community or a family or a organization or a team and to matter means we make our mark we give our gift to that community that team etc those two things have not changed no matter how many thousands of books you read about happiness they're all going to say to belong and to matter in one way or another so in times of change, we look at how do we belong and how do we matter, and it's not a luxury. Well, the, the latest unemployment report at the time of this recording showed something like 22 million people have lost their jobs because of the coronavirus. This is in the U.S. What risk does job loss pose to those of us who 
maybe before all this, saw what we were doing for our work as our purpose, or at least playing a big part in fueling our purpose, and what can we do about it? Another distinction here, before answering the question directly, is that purpose is not about what we do, it's who we bring to what we do. That's a major thing. It's who we bring to life, who would we bring to our families, our jobs, et cetera. So when you start to look at the who, we need to really push the reset button right now on our job. Step back and look at who we're bringing to that job, how it's fitting us beyond the economics of it. What's at stake here is this. Number one, it's the end of work as we know it. Work is going to change for all of us now, which means we all have to hit this reset button. It's not going to be normal as, as it was Secondly, what's at stake here is that your health. When we're out of work, and, if, and even when we're in work, if it isn't a good fit for us, but let's say you're out of work right now, the 22 million you're, you're talking about, the chances of having a heart attack or a health issue go up 27%. And being out of work has been measured to be tougher on the mind, body, and spirit, but particularly the body and the spirit at this point, than the loss of a loved one, if you can believe that. And so it's a huge thing. And if you lose a job and there's no chance of it coming back, that's one thing. But what I see is that there's more, many more millions of people who are among the working worried. They have a job, but they're worried about whether they'll continue or it'll be the same or you know, all the, the factors that go with this. We're anxious, whether we have a job or whether we don't have a job. And anxiety equals uncertainty times powerlessness. If we're uncertain, we need to look at what can we be certain about? Our purpose, our values, our gifts. We need to reset and look at things. And powerless means where can we have some control or make some impact? Well, even without a job, you can start to look at yourself and to recalibrate what you're going to do when you go forward. And so you can grow and start to do certain learning. Not easy. I mean, this is not a sugar-coated Pollyanna answer. This is tough stuff. But what a choice do we have if we don't act? I know that your work was heavily influenced by Viktor Frankl. So can you share a bit about who he was and why his story has been so important to you and then what the rest of us might draw from his story? Well, uh, for those who don't know Frankl, uh, I met him and spent a week with him in 1968 after having studied him in school. And he's a psychiatrist and a neurologist in Vienna, Austria. He was in a stable of thinkers like Freud and Adler and Jung and, you know, famous thinkers about human behavior. And at the height of his work, his whole family was taken along with him to Auschwitz. He's a Jewish man and his Jewish family was all killed. He's the only one who survived. And he was liberated from Auschwitz after three years, he weighed 87 pounds. He went back to Vienna to do his psychiatric neurological work again. And when he healed, he sat down and wrote a famous book called Man's Search for Meaning. And what his basic point of view is that changed my life was that the last of the human freedoms is choice. It's to choose what you want your life to be about in that moment, despite the adversity that you're in. And you can say the concentration camp is probably, who could even imagine the adversity? But he said, you could choose to get up in the morning and give somebody else a kind word, a crust of bread, a slurp of soup, a hug, hope. Same is true during a pandemic. What I learned is that we do have choices in spite of adversity. Frankl always used to quote Nietzsche, Frederick Nietzsche, the philosopher, he said this, he who has a why to live can bear almost any how. Well, purpose is that why. Why are we doing what we're doing? And if we have that why in mind, we tend to do better 
and will step up and pay the price to do things. Part of that why is our contribution to others, not just our own survival and our self-absorption. And he said this, don't ask what is my purpose. Ask this, what is life asking of me now in this situation? So I would say to our listeners, what is life asking of you now in this pandemic? And what is your why? What is that reason to get up in the morning to not only to survive yourself, but to thrive by making your own contribution to others in spite of the adversity that you're feeling, whether it's working worried or out of work or any, anything in between? I know you teach people this all the time. So if someone is feeling like they lack a sense of purpose in their life or their work, you know, how does one go about discovering and living with purpose? Well, a starting point is to uh, do some reflection, which is not easy, but necessary. There is an equation for purpose that has been well studied by me and researched by me and others for years. And it goes like this, G plus P plus V equals your calling or your purpose. In this case, calling is a a vocational word for, for purpose. So if you get up in the morning and you use your most motivated, most enjoyed gifts, talents, on things you feel purposeful or passionate or curious about in an environment where you have a voice, where your values are respected and honored, you got a pretty good chance of what they call flow or being in the zone or really feeling like you're energized and doing things that are a good fit for you. And you know, we spend 60% of our life working. The biggest block of our time is spent somehow doing some work, no matter how we define that. So there's a distinction here between having a job, having a career, and having a calling. And people do better and are healthier and live seven to 10 years longer when they have a calling, when they have the gifts, passions, and values in some sort of of alignment. So what I help people do is, is first figure out on the back of a napkin, which you can do right now, just write G plus P plus V, and then say, well, what are my most enjoyed gifts? What do I really care about? And what are my values? How does that fit with where I do my work? And uh, if it's in misalignment, then you know your health's at stake here and your happiness is at stake. But maybe that's what you have to do. And that's just a job. And a career is when there's some alignment of these three. But at some point, you might feel like been there, done that, burnout, boredom, something like that. And then if you have a calling, it's when you really get up in the morning and want to go do this. It's a really good fit. And as my friend Chris Farrell says, purpose and a paycheck. It's not just about having a reason to get up in the morning. Obviously, we want to get paid for it. But the starting point is you'll get paid more if you're doing something that fits who you are. Why? Because you'll be better at it. You'll be more motivated. You'll be more engaged. And you're likely you'll hang on to your job and you'll probably uh, enjoy it and therefore do it better. It's always a choice that we, we have. And the starting point is, is to reflect The second thing, though, without going into a lot more detail, but an important point is this. Isolation is fatal. Going in alone is a bad idea. And so once you do the napkin test, talk to a committed listener. I call that your sounding board. But somebody who you can, or somebody's, who you can talk it through with and sort of clarify it and ask questions. And so you're not going alone. You may feel like you're going it alone these days. But as you look at those statistics we've talked about, the majority of the world is asking themselves these same questions isolation is fatal. Don't go it alone. Then once you talk to somebody about it, get out and explore, do a little exploration. Right now, we don't have a lot of chances to get out and explore, but we can stay in and explore on the internet, on the phone, and in other ways like that. Before choosing, 
to go back to do what we do or choosing something different if we have to or, or we want to. And eventually we do what I call repack. So I'm kind of talking about six practices here. Reflect, connect with your sounding board, explore, choose, make a commitment, and then repack. Say, what do I need to let go of? What do I need to do more or less of, of here before acting? And that is really taking this, the proactive steps to really be acting on what I believe and what I've, what I've come up with on, on the, uh, the napkin test. So I would say one more thing, and that is, uh, well, that seems like a lot of work. And I say this all the time. Yep, that's right. However, the process works if you work the process. So let's just make sure I understand the six steps, because you said it's reflect, connect, explore, choose, repack, and, and then act. Go out and do it. Purpose is always a verb. It's something we do. It's not just something we put on the wall. So if that's all a lot of work, let me give the listeners a default purpose, the universal default purpose. You don't even have to do the work. It's only two words, grow and give. If you get up every day with the intention to grow and to give, you will be living purposefully and you will get the feeling of what it feels like on a day-to-day-to-day basis of living, working purposefully. So start with that. Start with the universal, well-researched, grow-and-give default purpose and you'll be healthier, happier, and uh, be learning about purpose. Yeah, that sounds great. To grow and to give. I think I'll start there. I imagine that some people might say something like, I get that purpose matters, but right now I just need to get through this this immediate situation, this pandemic, this whatever I'm doing right now. And purpose is going to have to wait till I'm through all this pain. So what would you say to that? Purpose is fundamental. I call it the three M's. We need money. We know that. And a job gives us money. We need medicine, which is health. But we also need meaning. We need to do things that matter in our life. And purpose goes through three stages, Tom. The first stage is all about yourself. You need to do that discovery that I talked about or that reflection and connection and exploration. And that's what young people do. It's, it's about, you know, their job is to be self-absorbed, to learn about themselves. And then at some point, though, that self-absorption, if they mature, goes from uncovering purpose to discovering, hey, it's really not just about me, it's about us. And they start to see how they can help others. And for example, the research on depression and despair, if you're feeling depression and despair, help somebody else, give a hand to somebody else, volunteer, do other things. It doesn't end the depression, but it makes it better. And the third stage is it's about, it's rediscovering. So uncovering, discovering, it's not about just about me. And then rediscovering, it's about all of us. And you see that who I bring to the convenience store, to the gas station, to my friends and colleagues, purposes lived out 1,440 moments a day. And you always have the choice, except sleeping, of course, uh, as part of that, to uh, make a difference in somebody's life. So I'll tell you, the one thing that works, and I'm sure it'll bring a smile to people's faces, but when you say to get through this immediate situation, Get up tomorrow morning and make an intention to make a difference in one person's life today. Unexpectedly, reach out. Like Frankel said, it wasn't a guarantee, but they tended to survive the concentration camp experience when it wasn't about them all day, every day. They saw that they did better when we did better. And so when they give somebody else a kind word or a hand, they did better and they brought hope to themselves as well as to the other, other person. So not an easy answer to a very tough question about what to do in this immediate situation. 
And I would end this by just saying this, everybody's an experiment of one. I'm a life coach and yet everybody is different. Everybody is unique. Giving kind of a generic solution to what do we do in the situation is not easy, or, but to know that you need to belong and to matter and grow and give that'll get you through. And and finding out how you belong or how you matter isn't something we should just wait on. Hey, we don't even know when this pandemic's going to end. So, okay, Richard. So in preparation for this conversation, you sent me a list of uh, frequently asked questions that you receive when you speak or give workshops. I'm wondering if we might just run through several of them right now to get your kind of quick off-the-cuff response. Are you up for a little purpose lightning round? I'm ready. Okay, let's do it. Question one. Does my purpose have to be something real lofty? I mean, can it just be my family or to make money? Nope. Purpose is not a goal. Purpose is the aim beyond your family and your money. What is the purpose of doing what you're doing for your family? What is the purpose of what you're doing? What's the money for ultimately? So purpose, as I said earlier, is who you are, not what you do or who you do it for. It's the contribution you make. It's the choice that you activate in Frankel's words. Excellent. Well, uh, question two, can I have more than one purpose? Nope. Purpose is universal. It is to belong and to matter as we, we've talked about. And purpose is a mindset. It's who you bring to what you do. And so if the mindset is about yourself all the time, that's not about purpose. So certainly purpose can change as we age and al along the way, but the aim to make a difference in the world to make one, a difference in one person's life today, for example, that doesn't change. That is universal, and that's core to what it means to live a purposeful life. Well, you just jumped ahead to my next question, because how does purpose change as I get older? I think we move up the purpose stages from self to from uncovering to discovering to rediscovering. And if we really mature into elderhood, if we leave behind adulthood and become elders and move into elderhood, we see the bigger picture. Wisdom, supposedly, is seeing the big picture and knowing what weight to give things. Well, just because you're older doesn't mean you're wiser. So what happens as we age is we hopefully become wiser through our experiences, and we see a bigger hole. That's with a W-H-O-L-E. We see a, a larger picture out there. So purpose changes in terms of uh, our maturity and our wisdom and seeing that we can make a difference in a lot of people's lives, not our, just our own family, our own religious community, or our own job. We see it as who we are, bringing who we are to everything we do. So what do I do if my purpose doesn't align with the job I'm doing right now? Should I quit my job? Nope. Maybe you should. But as you are an experiment of one, the first thing I would say is do the napkin tests. Do the gifts, passions, and values. Second, bring your gifts to work tomorrow. 25% more, your most enjoyed gifts, bring 25% more of your gifts to work tomorrow and see what happens. I do that as a coach and people come back the next week and they say, geez, things changed there. Well, I said, what changed? Well, people treated me differently. And when you start to bring more of who you are and contribute it to others in a positive way, the environment uh, shifts. So second thing is bring more of who you are to work. And then third, look for purpose moments, at least one a day. If you do those three things and your job still sucks, then quit. <laughs> okay, I'll be looking out for that. Um, okay, Richard, so what can I do if someone I care about, my spouse, my child, my friend, clearly lacks purpose? How can I help them? I cannot tell you how many times I get that when I give a speech 
and someone and they line up to talk and ask a question or something this one always comes up so first is be your message carl jung said the greatest damage you can do to others is your own unlived life the greatest damage you can do to your kids is your own unlived life because what they really learn is what works for you and what you're doing in certain ways so that's the starting point second I sound like a broken record, invite them to do the napkin test. Find out what their gifts, passions, and values are. I find sometimes spouses and partners look at who have kids or in their family, don't even see this kid the same way. They see the kid differently. And so bringing out the gifts, passions, and values in, in others demands listening, not telling. And so being third, become a committed listener. Listen, listen, listen. I find that people have a really hard time identifying their own gifts. It's easy for me to recognize in somebody else what they're good at. It's hard sometimes to, for my, me to recognize what I'm good at. Well, it's not me particularly because I'm very conceited, but the how can I help somebody else like realize their own gifts? Here's four characteristics of a gift. Number one, a gift is something that you really love doing. In other words, your hand turns to it naturally. You don't have to be paid to do it. You don't have to be applauded for doing it. Your hand turns it. I developed a tool called Calling Cards. And I went back and interviewed parents, teachers, siblings to find out when did these gifts with individuals who were doing this Calling Card exercise emerge. And it was when they were very young. For example, let me ask you, Tom. Let me ask your listeners. How many of you have brothers and sisters? Well, not everybody, but most people have, many have. I say, are, you, are your brothers and sisters' gifts the same as yours? And they laugh out loud like, no, of course not. And I said, well, when did you start to notice? Oh, when we were little. Well, these gifts start to emerge when we're little, the things that we enjoy doing. Not the job itself, but the gifts that we would bring to the, to the job. So number one is what you love doing it. Number two, others observe you doing it effortlessly and superbly and enjoyably. So oftentimes, uh, others will say, well, Tom, you're so good at, and oftentimes they see that in you because they don't have it in themselves. They tend to value things that they don't own themselves, so to speak, and so they value it in you and say, oh, I wish I could speak like you do or had technology like somebody. And the third thing is, and this is the big one, kind of the knockout punch is you, with a gift. You can't recall learning it. I don't know. I've always had it. And so we live in a society that's kind of no pain, no gain. And if you didn't have a degree in it, you didn't have to work hard at it, but it came naturally to you and effortless to you and you did it well. Oftentimes we undervalue it, whereas other people may overvalue it. We undervalue it. So oftentimes people say, geez, I can't, I, I've always done this easily and effortlessly. I don't know why I didn't know this. And it's because we, were, we didn't have to work hard at it. The fourth thing is that we enjoy learning about it and practicing it, the gift. We like spending time doing it, learning more about it, practicing it, etc. So if you look at the characteristics of a gift, enjoyed, others observe, can't recall learning, like learning and practicing, that's characteristics, that's the starting point. If not, do the calling cards exercise, which uh, I developed years ago and I use it 100% of the time, no matter what the age. We're doing calling cards. One of my co-authors that wrote one of those books you mentioned, David Shapiro, he does the calling cards exercise that I'm talking about with kids in the fifth grade every week. 
So people say, oh, it's really hard to know your gifts. I said, well, not if you have a good tool and you can get a little guidance. And so that's what calling cards is about. But I just gave you the characteristics of of a calling, basically, or of a gift. Great. Actually, that makes a lot of sense. I like that. It's really important for me that we end every episode of this podcast with some sort of call to action, some activity that our listeners can put into practice today to start moving toward better right away. So could you give us something to do that can help us better connect to our purpose You know, after this call, maybe later today? Well, first of all, go to my website, richardleiter.com. And the first thing you'll see, an incomplete manifesto for purpose. Much of what I talked about today is summarized in 10 points. And on the flip side of that are my top 10 questions for activating your purpose. So that's free. You can download that. Second thing is take out a post-it and write the universal default purpose on the post-it. Grow and give. And put that post-it on your mirror. When you wake up in the morning, look at the post-it on your mirror and say, how am I going to grow and give today? Every morning, do that for a week. And every evening, ask yourself, how did I grow and give today? If you do that, you will understand the power of purpose. That's excellent, Richard. I think I've grown a little bit from what you just gave me. Um, That brings us to our close. I want to thank you, Richard, for sharing all this great advice with us today. And it's always really nice to connect. I feel exactly the same way. I was really looking forward to today, as I always do. And I thank you for having me. Awesome. Well, Richard, if people want to connect with you or learn more from you, how might they do that? Well, I just go richardleiter.com. Easy to do. Everything on there is free. Take a look at those top 10 questions and ask yourself, you know, one question a week or one question a day while you're in in the throes of chaos at the moment. And that'll give you something to really reflect on and maybe even connect with others on. Excellent. Thank you, Richard. If you want to learn more from Richard Leiter, Being by the Big No offers an online course taught by him. In it, he goes deeper on the importance of purpose, and he gives you practical steps for discovering your purpose and living the good life. Look, I know what we all want. We all just want to get back to normal. We have to accept that normal, that's over. And if we really think about it, for a lot of us, normal wasn't working in the first place. Normal was stressing us out, Normal was making us sad. Normal was making us sick. It was making us bored. We can do way better than normal. Let's get Beyond Normal. Beyond Normal is a production of The Big No, where renowned experts teach the skills of health and well-being on demand. You can learn more about our licensable and custom health content solutions at thebigno.com. That's the big K-N-O-W.com. The Big No would love to hear your personal stories about how all this coronavirus nonsense is affecting you right now. We may feature your stories in an upcoming episode. If you're up for it, simply use any audio recording device you have handy and capture a few minutes of your thoughts, fears, feelings, hopes, what have you, and then email that recording to beyondnormal at thebigno.com. Thanks in advance for doing that. Beyond Normal is produced by Nate Matson. Assistant producer is TMR. Our theme music is from premiumbeat.com. The show is edited by Damon Kaler, who also provided additional music. I'm your host, Tom Godfrey. Goodbye.